Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready to awaken to the truth of your soul? Welcome to today's episode of I Dig Your Soul Podcast with your host, Nadia Khalil. Today is the 5th of March, 2021. In 10 years, people will go, 2021, that was so long ago. But for today, we're here. So let's be here, right? Always be in the moment. So it is 5.30 in the morning in LA. Still super dark out. I always The sunset's been rising sooner every day, and some days I miss it, like if I don't run out. Um, and after the show, it's still dark, but then between that and like 6.30, boom, we've got this beautiful sunrise. So it's just so beautiful. But today, this seems to be a heavy God week, right? We're talking a lot about Christ and God and, and logic. You know, what is what is our lives and, and why are we living them the way we are? Are these our only choices? All these questions. But it all starts with how we think about ourselves. So I had this post that I posted the other day that God has a lot of faith in us. We have been given a mind, a heart, hands, legs, ears, and a mouth to face our challenges. And I said, yeah, you know, we forget until we can't use any one of those. We forget how lucky, how blessed we are and when we don't feel that way about little things big things are never going to feel that from us today as I was just washing my face I had this like little glimpse of when I was in Palestine and until this very day the um the governments there, you know, obviously are not getting along, but for years and years and years, they shut the water off on the Palestinians for like three days in a row. I think at the time when I was there, they only got water like Tuesdays and Saturdays or something like that. So two days a week. And so if someone didn't have a well where they pull up water from the ground and boil it to get the bugs out and stuff, you couldn't take a bath. And then on the days that you did have water, it didn't come down like full strong. It it trickled. So the, the few times in the months that I was there that I took a bath, or a bath, a shower, not even that, it just cleaned myself, I remember having a vision of being back home in the States and just 
being able to take a shower. Like, how lucky was that? And that never left me. And paying attention to the little things makes the big things worth fighting for. Because once you do pay attention to the little things, what happens to us? We get used to paying attention and we realize what we already have. So then Vincent Hawkins, and both of these people are from across the pond, but he says, I wanted to share this with you on that post. How does what we are learning here affect or interfere with our true free will? Each decision we make carries this learning in mind. So is it that we no longer truly have free will because we are aware of these being consequences that shape and steer our decisions? Yesterday, a little matter-of-fact voice came to me saying, knowing this is the acceptance of accountability. Because once you account that you have a heart, you have a mind, you have arms, legs, ears, and a mouth, now you're accountable for what the mouth says, what the ears do, what the hands create. Isn't it cool how when you think about it, it just turns nothing into something, right? And that something is empowering. So he writes that, and then Maria Dulce comes in with her response and says, this post and Vincent's comment reminded me of a question. For whatever you have time to answer it, as silly as it might sound, it is the way that I perceive it. There is this bigger part of me that is in the background, observing, guiding, loving, understanding, forgiving, non-judgmental, but pushing the truth forward and pushing for growth. There is this smaller me who makes mistakes, who gets to mix into the physical and emotional part of life, who is learning, who is confronted and comforted and loved, aware of the bigger part of me that, again, is always carrying me forward for more growth. For example, it feels like the smaller me is at the front line holding the driver controls, experiencing life, while the bigger me is more at the back seat guiding the journey. Is our bigger me, our conscience, our soul, our connection with God? Who is our smaller me? And how can it be a feeling of love each other if both are one? I hope this makes sense. Thank you for your time. Lots of love. Then she wrote in the next post, oh dear, the smaller part of me listening to ego was fighting me to not post this silly post, even though I wanted to know about it. I am very sorry if I post taking the time from Vincent's question, but I jumped to ask when I saw our connection. First of all, there is no silly post because if you took time to write anything, the question was big enough for you to take the time to write the question. It's like Dream Theme Thursday. If your dream was something you really were curious about, you're going to sit and write it out. And if it's not, you know, because you probably won't write it out. But bigger than that, bigger you, smaller you. We 
are all bigger because we are connected and we know it. We are loved and we know that. We are part of God and we know that. So smaller part of us, if you want to call it that, it's like the difference between soul and ego. Bigger part of you is your soul. Smaller part of us is our ego. But we need our ego to get to the bigger part. Ego is not a destination. It's the teacher. Or you could say it's not a, it is a teacher, but it's not a destination. If we stay in ego, that's when we never will see the bigger part of us. Like narcissism, it's pure ego. It's not that they're so bad. There are people that I like want to take and cradle and, and heal if I could. But I can't without their permission because their ego to them is the bigger part of them. It is their protector. But for someone whose security needs were not ripped out so early in life that they don't even know what their security needs are, which is how narcissism kind of manifests its, its life, but a, a conscience that can accept who we are, the ego will come in sometimes even harder to push our conscience to grow further. See, ego is a tool. It's not like God made the ego to punish us or made that smaller mind to punish us or make us want to erase a question and not feel like we are entitled to ask or worth asking that question. We are worth asking those questions. We are worth our time and others' time. We are worth our very own love to ourselves. And loving ourselves only means to accept that smaller part of us. The part that once we're done doing something, we're like, why the heck did I do that? What was I thinking? Look at the mess I've made. Instead of words like, wow, I really made a mess here. I guess that's not the answer. Yeah, we broke up. Not my fault. Well, what part of me kind of wanted that too, but wouldn't admit it? It's much easier to get mad at them for breaking up with me. But what was my role? That's the smaller situations, the smaller parts, talking to the bigger me. And that's why Christ started with self-accounting. Why? Keep asking yourself why until you get to the answer. Why did I do that? Why did I feel I needed to do that? What did I expect back? What did I get back? Why did they react that way? Why did I react that way? What was I angry about? So when those things start to come into play, the bigger me is just our soul, and our soul knows everything. We are connected to each other through it. It makes our body move. 
Once the soul is gone, the body doesn't know what to do. It's done. It dies. It finished its job. We don't look at it that way sometimes. But why can somebody stay in a nursing home for 10 years and not die? They're just laying there, quiet. They're just laying there. And someone else just slips and falls and dies in a second. Because the one laying in the nursing home is still learning. Is still searching for that deepest part of their soul where they can forgive themselves or forgive others. And even though they look like they're not moving... Things change most when we are quiet. It isn't a war between bigger and smaller. Bigger is not better. Smaller is not worse. Smaller is our teacher. Bigger is our destination. Smaller is where we catch ourselves. Why am I trying to control this? Why am I trying to do this? Why do I need this so bad? Don't get it. I'm a failure. I hear that. More from men. More from men. Women don't think in terms of them being a failure. We look at ourselves as nurturers, and if we can do that, we feel like things are in sync somehow. And if we can't, kids don't allow us to care for them. Our partners don't allow us to work with them. We're being shut out from our lives. We, we don't feel good. Men don't care. Not that they don't care, they don't care, but it doesn't take away from them because they do know that, you know, they're the hunters. They go out to find their job, their work, their things. And, and women are nurturers. Whether we want to be or not, there's two sexes for a reason. doesn't mean one's more important than the other. But there's a reason why we're different. It's all part of this big plan that God has. Where if we weren't different, if there weren't a a physical connection, none of us would need each other. If we all knew everything, we wouldn't have to seek each other out to look, to make, to create. And I know this is all simple, basic stuff, but it really needs to be said. If you could just say the word soul, a soul was killed today. Like I said earlier this week, we think, oh, one of us died. Someone was shot on the corner. We think, oh, they were probably a drug dealer or a homeless person, and it's not that care, but we try to absorb the shock and try to find a reason why so that we can almost absorb the information. But yet we feel bad inside because we know that it was a soul, but the fact that it wasn't allows us to kind of push it away a little bit. 
But if they said a soul was killed on the corner, we say, wow, what were they trying to do in their life? I'm a soul. I have a soul. And I know that that part of me is connected to God. The bigger part of us, the smaller part of us, are friends. When we don't treat them like friends, the smaller part of us thinks it's the bigger part of us. And it tries to take over the bigger part of us because it wants to rule. Ego wants to rule everything. It doesn't have a plan, but it definitely has an entrance. And when it comes in, it comes in. I mean, some of my funniest stories are when I really thought it was guiding me well and I took it up on its offer and then found myself nervous, anxious, worried. That That's ego for you. And we all know when we follow it. We know. We're like, wow, that's too good to be true. I know that that can't really happen. But, man, I just don't want to believe it. Not today. Let me try first. Let me see if I could get what it's telling me it's going to deliver for me. Think about that. Ego is like the little wiggly, squirrely, you know, back in the 70s, the guy with his shirt down to his, not to his navel, but like right under where his chest hairs are and the gold chain. Back when people had chest hair, I don't know if I've seen chest hair for a long time. And I know it's still there, but, you know, there's waxing and stuff. It's interesting. But our ego, it all goes back to our ego, our our tried and true invader of our best thoughts, saying, hey, if you listen to me, that means you need to grow here. Don't feel bad. This is my job. If you listen to me, that's your job, your problem, your issues, not mine. If you don't want me, I'll leave, but you have to tell me to leave because I'm not leaving without you telling me because you already invited me in with your insecurity. That's how ego's thinking. It's like, hey, if you don't take me, I'll go find someone else. I will find a taker, you know. If you don't get this, someone else will, and they'll they'll be smarter than you. Yeah. Happens every day. And truth is, nobody's smarter than you than you. You're a soul. What do you have in common with them? They're a soul. We are souls. We always will be, whether we're called people or something by another language. The minute we use that word, it comes loaded with understanding. Because that's the true us. That's the us before we came down that nothing could ever believe that it can be swayed. That's why now, when we hear someone buy a lie, like we know someone's lying, 
and we see people believing it. I don't care what the lie is. It could be even what day of the week it is. It's not really Friday. This is Saturday. There's only six days a week. You know, I know that sounds absurd. But we've heard lies that off. And we've seen people follow it. And we just can't believe it. Like, how could they accept that? That's not true. But people are trying to make it true. And then you start to question, is it true? Because ego's job is to take us off the road we're on. And our soul's job is to keep us growing. Ego's job is to stagnate us. Our soul's job is to set us free. All the experience we accumulate in life. And there is advertising to try to put an insecurity on our path at every turn. Whether it's attacking our aging skin, our hair color, our weight, our health, our possessions, our debt, our self-worth, our needing to conform to whatever, whatever style is out now, being in that moment, being smarter than others, finding a way to make money off of others and leave them in debt. All of that is swirling around in a tornado next to our heads And the minute we get close to leaving here, which I've been now with many people, that tornado just goes up in a puff of smoke. And they start saying things like, why did I need a car like that? What was I thinking to chase that? Now that I don't have time, I want my time back. I want to do it different. Why was I listening to that? Now that I could feel, I want to feel. I want to do this again. This time, I I want to do it better. I know now. But maybe it took you there to know that before you left and you didn't leave before you knew that. And once you knew that, let's say before you left, you had a talk with your son or your daughter. or people who came to visit you, or your parents, or your partner. And you told them, hey, appreciate life. Don't worry about all this stuff over here because it's gone now. I'm not taking that with me. The only person who's going over with me is going to be me. And I'm scared to death. I don't even know where that is. I never stopped to think about what was really important to me. I knew it. Didn't want to think about it because it was going to slow me down. And I didn't want to be slowed down. I was in a race. I was in a race with this imaginary world of getting ahead, whatever that meant. 
What does that mean? Because now I realized I missed spending time with myself. Because look what happened. Now I I can't move. Spending time with myself. And I'm realizing all of this stuff that I didn't realize even two weeks ago. That that really was what was important. Because the smaller part of me, eh, it had its way with me. But at the end of the day, it couldn't take over the bigger part of me, even though I thought it did. And I thought it was actually doing a pretty good job of it. Bigger part of me asleep. I don't have to deal with myself. And I can measure by what I have. I can measure by counting all the stuff I have. I can measure that I'm doing better than my neighbor. But why didn't I ever think that it was okay? Why didn't I ever get to that point that once I had the things I wanted, that I could enjoy them? Why did I just keep saying, well, I got that. Well, that was easy, so that doesn't count. I need to get that to prove that I'm good at this, that I'm smart, that I'm strong. That bigger part of us, it scratches us when we think like that. It just comes in with one little finger and starts to scratch this window full of mud. But the bigger part of you knows that if you scratch, there's going to come light from the sun in that room, at least for most of the day. So it gives you, you know when they say a window of opportunity, You don't need to see through the whole window at first. All you have to do is start cleaning that window. Ah, I don't need to think this anymore. I've kind of learned that this got me nowhere. I don't need to think that I'm better than people. That kind of makes me feel isolated, and I become very condescending, and I talk down to people. I know somebody who, who is ill, not not my family situation, but who is ill as well. And, you know, as you get older, of course, you're going to know more people who are fighting something. And the interesting thing is when they are ill, because their their illness kind of gets really critical and then gets better, gets really critical, then gets better. But that's been par for the course for years in their life, not you know, something that just happened recently. And so as I talked to this person, I realized that when they are the most ill, they're like super humble. Well, you know, my body doesn't do this anymore. What am I going to do? And I'm just going to rest. And, you know, how are you? Let's talk then the minute they start to feel okay, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that, and they go into this total denial of how ill they actually are because they want so badly 
to recreate who they were, that denial comes in to cushion that fall of reality. But what I realized when I speak to this person is that when they are ill, I love going to see them and to talk to them because I'm speaking to the real them. And then when their ego sets in, I have nothing to say. I just can't believe the dichotomy and that it still exists. So one day, I'm just thinking about it. And Christ says, but that's why they're still here. They've been playing this game all along. But one day they won't. And when they learn that, they learn they don't need that smaller part, that the bigger part of them is the real them. And they've learned that lesson because that's what the smaller part of us does. Then they'll be ready to come home. But they're just not done yet. Is that because they are most vulnerable when they are sick? We all are because that's when we really start thinking of what if we really leave? And we humble and we we rest, thank God. So they're getting peaks of it. And we will see how the story unfolds. But I always trust that God's got our back and we're not going home until we're done. You guys, I love you guys. Have a great weekend. Thank you for the conversation. And I will see you on Monday. Bye-bye. You have been listening to today's Daily Dose of the I Dig Your Soul podcast. To learn more, visit www.nadiakhalil.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.